Have you ever been in debt? You ever owed anybody money? Debt is a horrible thing. If you've ever been in debt, you know what I'm talking about. Debt is like a prison that's disguised as a four-star hotel. <laughs> it's really bad. I think when I was a kid, you know, I would borrow things from my siblings with promise to pay them back. I, I know I did with my parents. You know, Dad, if you give me, if you'll buy me this, I'll pay, I'll pay it back, I promise. You know, I'll get a job, I'll pay it back, you know, and with the promise of, of doing so and then not really ever doing it. But with your family, that's not really debt, at least most families. But when you finally do get into debt, you understand the burden of debt. The first time I was really into debt is when I bought my wife her engagement ring. I decided to put my the ring I was going to get Janine on a payment plan. And I wanted to get her a really nice ring. So, you know, I went and looked. I looked at a lot of rings and figured that I wasn't going to have enough in my bank account to get the ring that I wanted. And I didn't know what to do about that. Um, so I decided, I you know I talked it through with the people there and I decided I was going to go on a payment plan. I was going to get the ring, you know, now and start paying chunks on this ring. And my parents kind of coached me growing up to not be in debt. And so I was, I was a little weary about it, but I decided, you know, I wanted to get Janine a really nice ring. I wanted her to have something for the rest of her life that she would be proud of, that she would look down at, and it would just be special. And so I decided, maybe against my better judgment, maybe not, I'm not sure, to get a ring and to go into debt to pay this ring off. So that was the first, my first real experience with debt. I now had a ring in possession, and now I had to make payments on that ring. So even though we owned it, we didn't really yet own it. And that's kind of what debt is. Uh, it's just something that you're on lease with. And that if you pay, as you promise to pay, one day it will be yours. And if you don't, <laughs> one day they may take it away from you. So that's kind of what debt is. I don't probably have to explain debt to you, but um, debt typically isn't a good thing. I can't say it's never right, but generally you should try to avoid debt. But I'm not here to lecture you on debt. Um, in scripture, it talks about debt to some degree, but it's interesting the way that it does it. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 13. The way it speaks about debt is kind of a secondary way. It brings up debt, and it definitely gives like a command about debt, but you can tell it's a very secondary thing that the passage is talking about. Romans 13 in verse 8. I'm going to read verses 8 to 10 just because I think they're supposed to be together. And I think it's going to make a lot of sense if we keep it together. But I sort of want to highlight one verse. This is what it says in Romans 13, uh, verse 8. It says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. 
And in the first verse, it says this one more time. Owe no one anything except to love each other. And you can tell very clearly, Paul is writing to the church here in Rome. He doesn't want them to be in debt. Owe no one anything. Owe no one anything. And then he says, except. So there's a debt that he doesn't want you to have. And then there's a debt that you must have. And I'm sure the debt he's probably telling you not to have is the debt of money. The debt where you're basically bound to someone because you're borrowing from them. And yet, he says, I want you to be indebted. In fact, you are indebted. And that debt is to love each other. And I've thought about this verse so many times, um, especially as my family have been in debt before. I, I can't help but think of this verse, that we are indebted to love one another. And every time I hear the word debt, I cringe because it's, to me, it's such a bad word. It's, it's just such a negative thing that I, I can't help but cringe when I hear the word debt. And yet in this context, it's not only not bad, it's right. It's not only right, it's truth. I mean, it's the way it is. He's talking to Christians here. Christian. Oh, no one anything. And he could put a period there. He could move on and just say, okay, I want this passage to be about debt. But you could tell it's not really about outside debt. It's not really about debt of money. There is that principle. There is there, that command in there. And I think you should hold to that, that you shouldn't be indebted as much as it depends upon you. And yet the entire passage, if you keep reading, is about one profound topic. It's about love. He says owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And then he goes on to explain how that is. Because if you love one another, you're taking care of all of the commandments at the same time. If you spend your life loving one another, you're obviously not committing adultery, you're not murdering, you're not dishonoring your father and mother, you're not coveting, because you're spending your time loving. And, and every commandment is with the intent to get you to love. But the thing I want to highlight is the debt of love. And I want to just have us think for a minute how we are indebted to love one another. And that if we'll understand how much we're in debt, we will get to this business of love straight away. It's very simple. The very simple fact that we are indebted to love is the fact of what was paid on our account so that we would be saved. And that was the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, this enormous gift of love that we received when we were so unlovely, when we were so ungodly. Romans previously calls us ungodly. He calls us, you know, evil. He calls us wicked. I mean, there, there are some strong verbs and nouns to describe what we are without Christ, before Christ. And words like sinners, ungodly, and wretch should resonate in our mind. Because that's what we were. And yet when Christ died on the cross, his sacrifice covered 
this enormous debt that we owed to God. I mean, the debt of sin that we owed to God was astronomical. We couldn't calculate it. And, and yet it stood. It stood before God. This is a, a debt that we would only be able to pay one of two ways, through Christ or through punishment in an eternal hell. That's the only way you could pay your debt to God of sin. And yet Christ, with his one sacrifice, was so valuable, it was sufficient for all the sins of the entire world. So anybody who comes to Christ can have that debt of sin paid. So there's another debt, a debt that we did owe, that was paid by Christ's blood when he died on the cross. But the debt he brings up here isn't the debt of sin, even though that was a reality. The debt he brings up here is the debt that we have to love one another. And if you'll simply think about the love that was given to you, it won't take you long before you understand, I'm indebted to love one another. Jesus loved you, loved me, so much that we are now in debt to love one another. That's just the honest reality of Scripture. I don't want us mixing up doctrine and theology to think that because Christ loved us, we are now free to live any way we desire. That is not scriptural. That's not biblical. That's not truth. The fact is, is that Christ died for us, and he did, and he spilled his blood, and he did, and he redeemed us and purchased us from the pit and brought us back to God and now we are in debt to love one another because of Christ's enormous love that came to our account. We are now in debt to love one another. It's not an option. I mean, when I purchased Janine's ring, her engagement ring, I didn't have an option whether to pay that ring off or not. If I wasn't making my payments, they would have come and called and you know, where's our money? Where's our money? You need to pay us. You promised to pay us. You signed on the line. Where's our money? And if, you know, obviously we didn't pay, they would even probably repossess the ring, take the ring back from my wife because we promised to pay. And that's, that's what debt is. You, you, you purchase something that you don't have the money for at the time with promise to pay at a later date. And when we trust in Christ and that that love comes to our account. There's an agreement or a covenant that we make that day that we will receive God's love. And at the same time, we agree that we will love others for the remainder of our lives. We will make payments, if you will, on that love. Now, I want to be careful because I don't think that we can ever truly earn or pay back what Christ did for us. So I don't think the analogy works perfectly, but it doesn't change the fact that you and I are in debt to love one another. We need to make constant daily payments, if you will, towards the debt of love that Christ gave to us. In case you think that I'm taking one passage way too far, um, 1 John is a book that talks a lot about love. I want to highlight just, you know, maybe one or two passages in that book. It says this in 1 John 4, and it's a verse we're familiar with. In verse 19, it says, 
We love because he first loved us. I'll read it again. We love because he first loved us. I've heard people talk about this passage sometimes to like highlight the the grammar to the fact that, you know, they're highlighting it so much that the only way we can love is because he first loved us. And so they're focusing on the fact that Christ's love came first and your love can only come because Christ's love came first. And I agree with that. hundred percent agree with that, that we couldn't love until God loved us. But I don't think that was the intent of the passage. I don't think we were supposed to just go, oh, let's just think correctly that Christ's love became before our love. Because if you keep reading, that's not really his point. Now, that is in there again. That is valuable. That is That is something we need. But if you keep reading verse 20, he says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he does not, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And verse 21 says, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And I'll read that phrase phrase again. Whoever loves God must also love love his brother. You see, there's not optional here. You don't get to receive God's love and then not pay that love out to others. It doesn't work. Just like I can't pay or, you know, accept a ring from the store and then not agree to pay for that ring. I mean, that's, that's not how the system works. You don't, I mean, that's stealing. That's not debt. That's stealing. And so when you and I accept the love of God, we make a covenant with God that we are going to love others now. That, I mean, that's going to be our chief ambition, to love God and to love others. And that's our aim. That's our, that's our ambition. That's our debt. And you will pay that to your last dying breath. You will make payments on that debt for the remainder of your life. There's no getting around it. If you skip back to 1 John 3... The passage right before this, another passage that talks a lot about love, it says this, by this we know love, that he, meaning Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. You see, it doesn't make any sense to John and the New Testament writers that you can accept God's love and not give that love out to others. And yet it's almost like I don't grab onto that sometimes. I don't understand the debt of love that I have towards other people. I accept this enormous gift and sacrifice from Christ for him to cleanse me from my sins and then I just receive it and move on. I just receive it and go back to living my life. That's stealing. That doesn't work. That's not what the gift was intended for. The gift was intended for you now to be a vessel of love towards other people. Christian, be very clear. You are in debt. You are indebted to God. You are indebted to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you receive that payment from Christ to cleanse you from your sins to forgive you, to heal you, to restore you, you are now in more debt than you could possibly know. And that may sound like a bad thing because of what we know about debt. But if you understand what God has done here, 
He's actually allowing you to do what you were first created to do at the beginning, which was love each other. I mean, that's why you were created. You were created to love God and to love others. That's the entire premise of creation of mankind. And so when you are cleansed, you are now once again able to do that. But you're not just able. You're indebted to it. You must do it. In fact, if you don't do it, 1 John 3 says you don't love God. He says if you don't love others, there's no possible way that you have God's love. I mean, because the two things don't go together. You cannot say God loves me while you're not loving your brother. And I mean that practically as well as legally. I mean, as a lifestyle, you cannot say God loves me while you are not practicing love for other people because that equation does not work. You cannot have God's love while not be indebted to love your fellow man. And I want us to think about that. I don't want us to go, oh, that's a nice overarching theme. And I do agree with that. Love is such a big theme in scripture. I want you to think of this in extremely practically. I want you to go, wow, then I got to love. I got to start loving right away. I got to start making payments on this love. If I've received this love from Jesus Christ, then I am indebted to love other people. I'm indebted to love the church. I'm indebted to love my family. I'm indebted to love my spouse, my parents. I'm indebted to love every single person that I have a relationship with because of God's enormous love for me. And if you go back to Romans, he says, not only are you indebted to it, but when you love others, something amazing, another, another thing amazing happens. You fulfill the law. <laughs> love is so profound that when God loved us, everything changed. I mean, we went from darkness to light. We went from death to life. We went from cursed to blessed. We went from hell to heaven. I mean, the, the act of love, the one simple act of love Christ did on the cross was so profound. And yet, when we love other people, it's the same thing. When you love other people, you are actually making a dent in that love that God gave to you. And it may take you a, an eternity of love to pay off that debt. But when you're doing that, you're paying back the love God gave to you. But you're also fulfilling the law. You're taking care of the entire law. You're taking care of all of God's commandments. If you'll simply love other people, if you'll simply lay down your needs and your desires and put the needs and desires of those around you at the forefront, A, you'll act like Christ. B, you'll fulfill the law. C, you'll have proof that you are loved by God. And I hope you need that proof. I really do, because I need it. I need to know every single day that God loves me. I need to know every single day that I belong to Christ. And by loving my fellow brother and sister, I can know that. I can know that God loves me because that's a working equation. Because the only way I could love other people is the pure fact that God first loved me. 
And all those commandments, I mean, you see in scripture, all those commandments, which are all over the place. I mean, there's 10, you know, 10 main ones in the Old Testament. But if you read Jesus' words, there's commandments everywhere. I mean, read Paul's letters, there's commandments all over them. I mean, we even got one here, don't owe anybody anything except to love. That's a commandment. And yet you can fulfill them all with love. If you'll simply love, if you'll simply look out for the needs and welfare of others, you'll fulfill God's law. You'll do exactly what he's called you to do. You'll stay away from sin. You'll walk in holiness. God will recognize you. He'll bless you. On the last day, he'll reward you and he'll usher you into the kingdom of God. So a profound thing happens when we love each other, but make no mistake about it. There is no option, Christian. There is no option to us loving other people. We are indebted to it. And if we've received the great love from God, we must give that love out to others. So I hope you'll think about that tonight. I don't know what is going on in your life. I know a lot of us are busy. We got a lot of things on our plates. We got a lot of things, you know, that are important. But are we overlooking the one great thing that is important to love other people? Are we so busy, so preoccupied that will disregard paying the debt of love that God gave to us? It can't be, Christian. You can't go out throughout your week and throughout your day and, and trust in God's love for you while you're not loving others. It doesn't work. In fact, the way he reassures you is when you love other people. So I pray, you, I pray that you'll think about that and, and consider that and then consider those in your life, in your sphere, in your circles the people you have relationships with, what are their needs? What are they going through? What are, what are they battling right now? How could you bless them? Because one time way back, and even now very much so, Christ considered our state and said, what are their needs? I know I'm in heaven. I know I'm next to God. I know that I'm perfect, speaking from Christ. But what is mankind's needs? They're in sin. They're lost. They're without a shepherd. They're going to hell unless I do something. And he stepped off his throne and he came down and he gave up his life. He shed his blood. He paid the ultimate sacrifice so that you, can I, you and I could once again be with God, be healed and live for the way God created us to live. So think on that tonight. May the Lord bless us as we seek to love those around us. For Christ's sake, he's worthy of it. Thanks for listening.